we are back. We'll do one final science item for the day. It turns out that Dr. Mom may have been right all along. Some scientists have scoffed at the notion that getting a chill can lead to a cold, but last year, medical research that involved 90 volunteers spending 20 minutes with their feet in buckets of cold water found that over the next five days, 29% of those people came down with colds compared with 9% of a control group. So it would appear that infections can indeed get a leg up when certain parts of the body, particularly the feet and the nose, get wet and cold. The researchers speculated that getting a chill might constrict blood vessels that reduce the circulation of white blood cells that fight infection. Well, that and the fact that many viruses much prefer the cooler parts of the body. The rhinoviruses are much happier in your nasal passages, which is perhaps why getting a fever is in part a protective mechanism that helps you fight disease. I don't find this study all that surprising. After all, any way you stress the body can uh, reduce your, its, its defenses, and certainly cold can be a stressor. Before we uh, found what viruses were, which is something that took place in the 20th century, uh, we didn't know what caused colds. So we thought that, you know, getting cold caused a cold. Well, not exactly. But it turns out that when your mom thought your getting cold would lead to a cold, well, of course, she was, she was right. Well, at least in part. All right, let's talk about some politics and stupidity, which often go together. Well, we got to throw in a little bit of greed, I suppose, in here. Um, you know, we should have actually opened the show with this. This is a huge news story, which, which uh, came out at 5 o'clock last Friday. When you want to bury a story, when you're up to no good, that's what you do. You release the news at 5 o'clock on a Friday of a holiday weekend. Such was the case when Secretary of State Bruce McPherson certified voting systems made by the controversial firm Diebold for the 2006 elections in California. We're going to try and get State Senator Deborah Bowen on the program. She's chairwoman of the state's elections committee, and she criticized Mr. McPherson for not awaiting the federal testing results that he said he would wait for last December. Now, as Brad Friedman noted on this show a couple weeks back, uh, tests in Florida gave some alarming results with Diebold machines, showed they were easy to hack into. Well, McPherson, last December, had Diebold send some uh, memory cards back to a federal testing agency because he said they'd never been tested. But uh, when federal results were not available this past month, he commissioned a separate state review. And early last week, the state review found that the memory cards have bugs. Hello? But uh, they thought that threats perhaps could be offset by some security measures. The spokesman uh, for the Secretary of State, Jennifer Kearns, put the following spin on it. The stringent process we have in place really did its job here, unquote. Well, if it had really done its job and this was all in the up and up, why would you release the news at 5 o'clock on Friday of a holiday weekend. You only do that when you are trying desperately to bury a story. Well, we got our shovels out and we're gonna keep digging at this one because we're not gonna let them put this one six feet under. Well, we've only got about eight minutes left. Where does the time go? Um, actually, we have a story that is probably, probably as big as Diebold or bigger. 
Years before Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, engineers knew that it was the most vulnerable spot in the country for massive flood damage, and many even predicted uh, almost exactly how the tragedy would unfold. Well, experts are now looking at the Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta area, and they consider it to be, after New Orleans, the scariest spot in the country for flood damage. I found it curious that the Sacramento Bee is having a plethora of, of data about flood control, talking in an editorial about how 20 years ago the lessons of the 86 flood still resonate. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the major issue, which admittedly did make the front page, um, but, but is sort of being buried in a lot of other coverage about, oh, the Auburn Dam, maybe. We ought to talk about the Auburn Dam, about how back in 86... Uh, they kept the big one from getting worse by letting water out of Folsom, blah, 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 blah. The big story here in the Sacramento area is the fact that the Natomas Basin is a flood risk beyond belief. In the wake of those huge floods in 86, the North Natomas area was placed under a building moratorium. They spent $57 million in so-called levy improvements, and seven years later, the ban was lifted. In 1998, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers certified that the area had flood protection exceeding the 100-year threshold, which is what you need to get insurance. Well, it turns out, as you may have noted last week, new engineering studies indicate Natomas may not have the minimal 100-year level of flood protection, which, of course, marked the safety threshold for opening the area to widespread development less than a decade ago. Turns out that 20 out of 26 levy miles in Natomas need major repairs. The current cost is being estimated at $270 million. This rather sobering news appears to have stunned local politicians and flood control experts. We should note for the record that Mayor Heather Fargo, who is not only the mayor but sits on the Flood Control Agency's board, was the representative for Natomas back before it went hog wild for development. Uh, Not surprisingly, in spite of this disastrous finding, the mayor says she would not support a ban on already developing areas of Natomas. She will go so far as to say that it might be wise to avoid construction in places where development has not yet begun. Yeah, file that under, duh. Sacramento's fearless leader did say that, quote, at this point, I think we should avoid that until we really understand the situation. We would refer you to the graphic in the February 17th issue of the Sacramento Bee uh, showing the Natomas Basin, the area where, of course, all of this development, the Walmart, uh, uh, the Hooters, the Home Depot, all of this, uh, all of this development appears to be in the area that would be under 15 to 20 feet of water in the case of a rupture of any of the levees. So next time you want to head out to Truxell, if you want to do any, any, uh, any shopping out there, you might just want to take along a mask and fins. We would note from the easily avoided eco-disaster file, we would, uh, we would cite the fact that in the Philippines... An entire village of 1,800 people was evidently lost last week due to a massive uh, slippage of an entire hillside. Environmentalists have pointed out that uh, the government of the Philippines and illegal logging appears to be responsible. Pat Vendetti with the London-based group Greenpeace Environmental Action 
said that although logging is illegal in, in the Philippines, a combination of poor governance and corruption has hampered enforcement of the law. There have been similar landslides at the end of 2004 and at the end of 2003, linked directly to illegal logging on land above villages. So it appears to us on this program that, uh, you know, a combination of, uh, you know, stupidity by officials and greed by uh, private parties uh, seems to um, be a very bad combination. I think that that $270 million price tag to fix Natomas should come from the people that develop Natomas and the people that want to go and live out there. Someone needs to ask the question here in the state of California, how much development is too much? The central valley of this state is the world's most productive agricultural region. This fine institution, the University of California at Davis, was originally the university farm operating out of UC Berkeley. It appears we're going to have to make some choices here as regarding what is the lesser of two evils. While government interference with private initiative can surely be a very bad thing, in the state of California, the fact that it's only a, a, a piecemeal quilt of local governments that uh, regulate what has become rampant sprawl and overdevelopment is a situation that is going to bring us a great deal of grief and has done so already. Just take a look at Natomas. Ten years ago, North Natomas was farms and wetlands. Now, 35,000 people live there. I don't want to be too hard on the people that have moved out into these former wetlands. After all, they were assured that uh, there wouldn't be a problem with floods. But under current plans, North Natomas will have 30,000 more people added in the next five years. The B article quotes Sacramento's director of planning, Carol Shirley, as uh, joining... Mayor Fargo in cautioning against a hastily imposed building ban, saying a community that is stopped in its tracks can become vulnerable to economic blight. Well, you know, so can 20 feet of water. In addition, the director of planning said, the more development there is in an area, the easier it is to spread the cost of flood protection. Please let us know, dear listener, what you think of this sort of thought process. Send us a note at info at radioparallax.com. But that's it for today's show. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Now stay tuned for Todd. And please tune in next Thursday because we expect to have an interview with a legend of radio, Norman Corwin, age 95. He's every bit uh, as important to the history of radio as was Orson Welles or Edward R. Murrow. So please, tune in next Thursday at 5. We'll see you then. My